Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. What's up, guys? Good morning. All right, how are we doing this morning? Oh, come on. What? Dude, that moment of worship that we just had, and that's what I get right now of how we're doing this morning? Like, come on, let's go. Um, Y'all better be ready because my entire message today is about zeal for the house, okay? So, we better step it up a little bit, all right? Um, let's just start here. Am I echoey? Oh, okay, all right. Um, Let's just start. I, I just want to, I know Matt or um, Micah already prayed for Matt and Adrian. I would just like to lift them up again. Um, I have it on good authority because I have somebody on the inside at Radiant Bay City that the first sermon that Matt preached this morning, um, the exact quote was, Matt killed it today. Okay, so, I, which we knew he would. We knew um, he is just so anointed to deliver God's word. It is crazy. Um, but I, I want to pray over him and Adrian um, still for this second service that he's doing. Um, so if, if y'all could just join me. Um, Father God, thank you so much for uh, just blessing us with the leaders of this house that we have. Uh, thank you, God, for their love for you and for your house and their desire to to not only better this particular house, but to better other houses as well, Lord, to, to grow the, the church at large. And thank you that, uh, that you've given Matt the opportunity to, to do that today, to, to preach um, a word that you've given him to another church body. Um, thank you for allowing that to be just apparently an awesome word and be received well. And uh, we just pray over the second, the second sermon that he gives, Lord, that um, it would just have as much fire as the first, as much anointing as the first, uh, and that you would continue to protect them um, as they travel back home uh, later today, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, as I said, um, this message is about zeal, all right? So this, is, this message, I titled it Zeal for the Fire, okay? Because we are, you know, we're still in the, the same sermon series, okay? Um, where the fire, fire upon the earth is still kind of the umbrella that we're under, all right? So this is Zeal for the Fire, okay? And I'm going to start uh, with some scripture. I've got a pretty decent sized chunk, um, so I'm just going to, we're just going to go at it, all right? We're going to, we're going to, Take it, take it whole, one, one big old bite here, okay? So, coming out of Psalms 69, 1 through 18, okay? This is a psalm of David, all right? So he says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs on my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore? O oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. 
Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord, God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a, I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For the zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword for them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking into the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Answer me because of my enemies. Or ransom me because of my enemies. Wow, okay. That's a lot. All right. We're going we're gonna to pray. Uh, and then I'm just gonna, we're just going to go at it, all right? Um, so, Father God, thank you for this scripture, Lord. Thank you for placing this on my heart today. Um, Thank you for this word that, that you have, have brought, Lord. I pray that um, it would be you speaking through me this morning. Uh, I pray that you just use me as a mouthpiece to interpret what you, what you want to say this morning, Lord. Um, and that you would just bless this word and you would bury it deep in our, in our spirits, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... Fire upon the earth and zeal for the fire, okay? Um, first of all, I just want to say this series that we've been in, um, Fire Upon the Earth, this whole, you know, first part of this year that we've been going through it has been incredible. Um, I, I have really loved seeing, like, just working our way through um, the way that Matt has really progressed this and seeing, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, like, fire aspect that, that like how those two work hand in hand. Um, it's been really cool. Uh, and also just the way that we've been working our way through Revelation recently has been incredible. Um, there, there have been some, some of the words that have been spoken I've just been absolutely blown away with. So that's been really cool. Um, and obviously with Matt having gone through the New Testament like pretty much this whole time, I decided that I'd come out of the Old Testament um, because that, that's how it works. Um, but no, that, that, this is just what was laid on my heart, and um, you know, Matt told me I could do whatever the heck I wanted, so I was I'm just going for it. Um, but for real, one of one of the, the the things that I just really love about the Bible is that the Old and the New Testament they they not only complement each other, but they really reinforce one another. Um, you know, they, they really work in conjunction to, to build a case for Jesus Christ being the, the Savior of the world, okay? They work together to show us that, you know, how, how we need a Savior and then ultimately how he does save us, 
All right. Um, so I really like that aspect of them um, kind of going back and forth. So when I do, you know, have the opportunity to preach, um, you know, even if I do use scripture out of the New Testament as like my main focus, um, usually I do like to go back to the Old Testament anyways and kind of put some stuff in there uh, because that just, they validate each other. Okay. Um, so with that being said, all right, we're just going to kind of get into this text and kind of walk through them and, and break some stuff down. All right. So let me see here. We are going to take a look and see exactly how this text relates to our Savior, Jesus Christ, okay, and how it relates to, to us today as well, all right? And I'm just going to start with giving a little context here of, of um, Psalm 69, okay? So the book of Psalms, if you are, you know, I, just, I like to paint with broad strokes here because, you know, not everybody is, is as deep into their faith. So just so that we're all, you know, equal playing field here, all right? Psalms is a, is a, a book that is actually a collection of 150 poems, okay? And out of those 150, David is credited with, with 75 of those, all right? Um, a lot of them have titles on there, like it'll say like uh, a song written by David for the choir director, stuff like that, okay? Um, but the, the Psalms, the, really the whole book of Psalms is... Um, a collection that it expresses a huge range of emotion, okay? Um, it, it goes all the way from, like, adoration and love towards God to, um, like, sorrow over their own sin, um, you know, to, to their dependence on God in difficult circumstances, and all the way to, like, their confidence in the eventual triumph of God, okay? So that's kind of what this, this whole book is here, okay? Um, wide range of, emo like I said, emotions and storytelling and, and a lot of stuff goes into it. Um, so you can pick one psalm and it can be like, praise you, Jesus. This is, I love you so much. And then you can pick another psalm and it's like, God, why have you forsaken me? Like it's this, this whole range of emotion where like they are just crying out to the Lord and expressing how they're feeling, Okay. Um, but for this particular psalm, um, uh, the psalm of David, this is titled, Save Me, O God. So that, that is exactly how it started out. Okay, Save Me, O God. And it's a cry from David as a faithful Israelite who is suffering. Okay? And he's actually, he's suffering um, because he himself has done wrong. Okay? He has sinned. He's misstepped. And he's going through this hardship because of, of something that he did. But at the same time, he is experiencing other attackers that are piling on and making his situation worse. They're, they're adding to his difficulties, um, even though he's not, like, offended them directly, okay? And he admits here to the Lord, um, like, that he knows what he's done, okay? So in, in um, verse 5 there, he says, Oh God, you know my folly, the wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Okay, so he's expressing to the Lord that he is, he's fully aware that he, he's, you know, he, he's stepped in it. He's, he's made a mess of the situation that he's in. And just before that, he's using poetry to explain how he feels like, like he is drowning, like he's sinking in 
mire or, or like quicksand. He can't get a foothold. Um, and he's afraid that he's, he's like, feels like he's drowning, like he's going to be overtaken by, by all this that's happening. Um, and he says he has more people who hate him without cause than the number of hairs that are on his head. Okay, so there's more people that hate him that aren't even directly affected by what he's done than he can even count, all right? And it's, it's just so interesting because David, he continues to say that there are, are those who now reproach him because they reproach God. Okay, and just so that, you know, same thing, I want everyone to be on the same playing field. So if you've not heard the word reproach before, okay, I'm going to give you the definition here. So the word reproach is the expression of disapproval or disappointment towards something, okay? And he uses the word reproach a bunch in here. And it's basically, you know, stating that for those who reproach God, those who disapprove of God, those who hate God, they've seen me, someone who is a faithful follower of God, stumble. Okay, that's, that's essentially what he's saying. They've seen me mess up here. Okay, they've seen me proclaim his name, and then they have watched me proceed to fail after that. All right? They've seen him full of zeal for God's house, and yet they've also seen him sin. All right? And because of that, now they have reproach for me, is what he's saying. Now they disapprove of me, even though I haven't directly wronged them, but because I proclaim the name of God and I, I failed, I've sinned, now, now they reproach me, now they disapprove of me as well. So what, what does this say of us right here? Like, what does this tell us about our lives today? Okay, it can, it can speak a couple things here. But the first one is it shows us how we as, as Christians, as those who proclaim the name of Jesus, okay, we follow the same God that David followed, that there is a standard that has been set to be above reproach, okay? Now, th this is, um, you know, something that we talk about as a leadership team quite a bit. Matt, um, you know, from the very beginning of church has, has really kind of used that verbiage of being above reproach or, you know, being above that disapproval and disappointment, okay? But it, it's not just something that is for a church leadership team. It's not just something that is reserved for pastors. Like you don't have to be on staff here to have that calling on your life of living above reproach, okay? The reason that Christians have, have been called, or there, sorry, there is a reason that Christians have been called to be set apart, okay? To be in the world, but not of the world, right? That, that is our calling as, as Christians, the ones that follow Jesus, all right? And this is highlighted here by David explaining how those who are, you know, those are they're seeking to pile on simply because they already, they already hated God, all right? They already hated God, and now they see somebody who is of God, who has messed up, so now it's their opportunity to jump on and, and to pile on top, all right? And our calling is to be the light to a very dark world, okay? And just to be honest, the world already has a fierce hatred of God, right? I mean, we, that, that's very clear, okay? They hate God in the worst way. 
but we are the ones that get the chance, we get, we get the privilege and the opportunity to spread the light of Jesus to that dark world, even with that hate that they have. And to, just to be kind of frank, um, when, it's frustrating to look at people who proclaim the name of Jesus fall into sinful situations that can be avoided and, and, and it brings shame on the church. It brings shame on the bride of Christ. That, that's frustrating, okay? Because we are called to be the light. That we are called to be ab above reproach in the way that we live our lives. All right, the way that Jesus lived and, and has laid out how we should live as a response, okay, that is exactly why he's laid it out that way so that we can be above reproach when it comes to the way that the world is, is viewing his bride. It's the way that we bring honor to God and prevent others from piling on. That's the whole purpose for, for us. The, the way that we choose to live our lives is to bring honor to him and to prevent that from happening. The second part of that, the second thing that that, that shows us here with, with what he's saying is that he, like I said, he's highlighting the fact that those same people that have reproach for God, they will hate you simply for following God in general. All right? I don't know, didn't know if you realized that, but that, that is, that's a thing. All right? They will hate us simply for following God. All right? For using the name of Jesus, even without having fallen, you know, we're in that, that place where David found himself, even if you're not there, there is still that hatred for, for just uttering the name of Jesus. All right, in, in verse 10, that's when he says, when I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. He's saying the reproach of the people towards God, when he humbled himself, humbled his soul with fasting, became his reproach. He said, when I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword for them. So he's saying, when I submitted myself to the Lord, his reproach became my reproach immediately. But that is, that's where there, there's a difference in those two kinds of reproach, okay? So there's a difference between being reproached simply because you're a Christian and being reproached because you have been seen as a hypocrite, right? And in, in no way am, am I obviously standing up here claiming that I'm perfect, that I've not messed up, okay? Just as I know you're not perfect, as I, as I know clearly David's not perfect, okay? So I'm not standing up here saying that. But when I think about the, the world and, like, and just the state that it's in right now, the, the state of the church and, and the way that the, the outside world views the bride of Christ, it is exactly what I said before, it's, it's frustrating. It, I, I get frustrated with the way that the world views his bride because I love the church okay not only this body I love all of you so much I love this place but I, I love the big C church all right I love like the, the kingdom of God and the people that do his work I just I think that it is it's I wouldn't be standing up here doing this if I didn't believe that I mean I think it, it's just I, I, I love it but I've seen so many of us who claim his name, but then our actions do not match up with, with that claim that we've made, okay? And, and that is, that's happened in 
church leadership, but it, at the same time, you know, it's, it's not like the same thing, not reserved for church leadership. It, it, it happens to every single one of us where we, we have moments where the, the, the name that we claim is not matching up with the way that we are walking out our faith. You know, there, there's an old um, DC Talk song um, from the 90s. Okay, I don't know if anybody here uh, was an avid DC Talk listener, all right? Um, I sure as heck was when I was a kid. Um, but it's called, What If I Stumble? All right, and so first of all, if you've never listened to DC Talk, that is your homework, is to go home and listen through all their albums that they got, because this is awesome. Um, it, it's a, uh, Michael would probably appreciate this, it's a young Toby Mac, uh, before he was Toby Mac, yeah? Um, so if you really like Toby Mac, go, go listen, to, go listen to, to DC Talk, all right? Um, but no, it's, it's, it's this group of three guys, including Toby Mack, um, and they just, it was this, this 90s like phenomenon where they were like, it was like almost like a, like a grunge rap about Jesus. Like it was, I mean, like rock all in there. It was, it was kind of cool. Um, anyways, that's beside the point. Um, but, but the intro to that song, What If I Stumble, is a monologue by one of the other guys in the group and, and this is what he says at the, the very beginning of the song. And it's from the, from the moment that I was a kid, it just like every time I'd listen to that song and that monologue was at the beginning, it would, it would like stir something in me. Um, but he says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle said, that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Dude, that even reading it again, like every time I've read it when I've been prepping this, like it is stirring within me like that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable is that we would proclaim something and then walk out the door and the way that we live would not match with what we're proclaiming. The world itself will already hate you for following Jesus regardless, okay? Regardless of whether you fall or not, they will hate you. But we cannot forfeit our witness to the world, okay? I mean, our, our, like, I'm going to say that again, all right? The world itself, they will hate you for following Jesus, but we cannot forfeit our witness to that world, there's a difference between those two kinds of reproach, as I mentioned earlier. The first is where we, we feel that shame, okay? We feel hypocritical because we know that we have gone against the very thing that we stand for. We've proclaimed it, and then we've walked and turned our back and done the other thing. So, that, so we, therefore, we feel shame, okay? That is the exact kind of reproach that we should be desperately fleeing from. Okay, like that, that should be, man, in the morning you wake up, you're, you're, you're hitting your early morning prayer time. Lord, help me to be above that reproach. Help me to, to live a life that is above that, that the, the world pouring extra hate on me because of, because of a, a fall that I've had. 
to be trying to avoid that at all costs. But the second kind of reproach that we receive from the world, that is what I am longing for. Like, that might sound crazy, okay? But the more that I've been leaning into this message and looking at it, dude, I am longing for that. As, as Matt and, uh, and all the kids say these days, I want the smoke, all right? Matt, is, Matt says that all the time, even though it's a Gen Z thing. Um, but, dude, I, I, I want the smoke. I want the reproach as God is reproached by the world. I want to be hated by the world the way that God is hated by the world, simply because I proclaim his name. And not because I proclaim his name and then fail, but simply because I proclaim his name. That's the reproach that I want from the world. And I know that that is like a heavy thought. Like that can be kind of, you know, hard to wrap our heads around of like, why, why would I want to be hated by everyone? But I want you to think about it this way. Would you rather be loved by someone who is evil or would you rather be hated by someone who is evil? Like, would you rather have someone who is evil love and support the things that you do or would you rather that they hate and detest everything that you do? Because that is the way of the world. The world is evil. It's sinful and broken. So just ask yourself that. Would you rather have this evil world support the things that you are doing or hate the things that you are doing? Because let me tell you something here. If the things that you stand for and support and, and fight for directly line up with what the world stands for and what they support and what they fight for, you might want to reevaluate those things that you're, that you're fighting for. Because the enemy, he's been trying so hard, and, and quite honestly, he's been succeeding in a lot of ways in aligning the way that the church views culture and, and, and aligning that with the way that the world views culture, okay? He's, he's, I, just to be, to be completely honest, he is succeeding in aligning the way that the church views the way, the world, what, the way that the world should go with the way that, you know, our earthly culture is lining it up. So it can be kind of scary to, to think in that regard of like wanting everybody to hate you. But if you are living in such a way that you aren't absolutely hated by hell, then you might need a realignment. Okay, that is my desire for my life, is that I would be hated by, by hell and, and demons and Satan, like, that it is just, there is hate coming from them because of the way that, that I go about my life and the way that I proclaim his name and that I follow him. That's the desire. Because as Jesus' people, as followers of Christ, we should be living in such a way that the kingdom of darkness has painted targets on all of our backs. All right? And I know that that is like, dude, you, like, you know, people always you get scared about like demonic stuff and you know you can all those crazy movies that, that people come out with about demons and all that dude if anybody has the target on their back I'd rather it be me because I know where I stand and I know who's got my back and I know who protects me there 
But we want that target on our back because we are holy in the way that we live our lives. Because we fight against that sinful nature of the world that is trying to be normalized everywhere. And because we have that unrelenting zeal for God and his house. And that's why I titled this message, Zeal for the Fire, in the first place. Because in verse 9, David says, For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Yes, David was a man who sinned, and he messed up. He, he muddied the waters. Yes, that, that's all of us. And for crying out loud, he, half of this psalm here is him crying out to the Lord to save him from what he's, what he's done, essentially. Okay, I, I, I get it. But David was also revered as a man after God's own heart. He understands the, the reproach and the, the hate that he bears simply by submitting to God. He understands that that's already on him. And yet he does proclaim the name of God. And the zeal that he has for his house, he's, he's shouting it. Even before the situation where he, he really messed up. Even before those situations where, you know, we read about him committing adultery and then as a result of that committing murder, like, dude, this guy, he did stuff. Like, that's not, not little stuff, all right? But before that, but when he was in the field watching the sheep, he proclaimed the name of God. When he was anointed to be king, he was proclaiming the name of God. When he eventually did become king, he was proclaiming the name of God the entire time. And he understands that at that point in life, there were people that reproached him the same way they reproached God because they already hated God and it was on him as an association. Now, sorry, I just kind of went off on a tangent there. Um, but you guys know that I, I love my definitions, all right? Every time that I'm up here, I feel like I give like some definitions about words and, and what they want. So um, just so that we're all on the same page again here in the same thought pattern. So, so zeal, what is zeal? Like, okay, I titled my message zeal. Zach said zeal earlier. Micah said zeal. Evan said zeal earlier before we even started service. Like, it's just like, you know, it, it's not just like church lingo that is meant to be mysterious. Like, it, it's, a, it's an actual thing here, okay? So... The definition of zeal in our modern language is a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Okay? A great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. And as the bride of Christ, we must have that same zeal for God and his house as David had. All right, that is how we truly set ourselves apart from the world is our zeal for his house. Because our zeal is what ensures that we avoid that first kind of reproach. Okay? That's what drives us to pursue the things of God on this side as opposed to, to receiving that reproach from the world when we fail. It's what drives us to pursue the things of God. It's what drives us to, to flee from sin when the opportunity presents itself and to, and to go towards Jesus, to lean into him. It's the zeal for him that drives us to him. And even thinking about David, like how much more zeal should we have than David had? 
I know that I, I've highlighted this a couple times when I preach about David. I just, dude, I like talking about David. All right, I, just, I, I, I can admit that. Um, he's just fascinating to me with the sin that he was in, that he fell into, um, but still being revered as a man after God's, God's own heart. Like, I just, it's just, it is, I like learning about him um, in his life. But, I, but, so, so yeah, I've, I've highlighted it before, um, but he didn't have the benefit of knowing the good news of Jesus' resurrection, of his death and resurrection. He, he did not have the benefit of that. Okay, he was in a time when he's worshiping God and that's, that's all he knows and he's waiting for a savior to come, okay? So our zeal for God's house should be so much more amplified because we can have that enthusiasm for Jesus. We can have that enthusiasm and excitement because we get to partner with Holy Spirit. Like we, that, that level of zeal should be so magnified in us as a as just David, dude, David was somebody who it, it's told that he is like worshiping and, and dancing around naked and somebody's like, you're disgracing yourself, put your clothes on. And he's like, I'll get even more undignified than this because I am going to worship him how I feel fit. And that is how much zeal David had. I'm not saying that you need to get naked, all right? I'm not saying that. But how much more zeal should we have for him and his house because we have the good news of Jesus? Like that, it's just, it's mind-blowing how much, how much more elevated that should be simply because, dude, he was worshiping and he didn't even know yet. What was, what was on the horizon. Do we, we have the knowledge, we, we have the, the story of, of what Jesus did for us. So it should just be, man, it should be amplified so much greater, our zeal for his house. Um, worship team, you guys can probably start to make your way back up here. Um, but So I, I had this, this thought that... Um, kind of stemmed from the idea of, you know, our zeal compared to, to David, um, but also also partially stemmed from my previous message that I preached at um, our last Ignite Night. And it's something that, you know, it, it concerns the church at large, um, because, I, because I do think we do, a, a, we do it pretty well here, specifically at TakeOver. Um, but there, there is always room to grow, right? There's always room for, for us to challenge ourselves and to ask the, the deeper questions um, and to take that extra step into what the Lord has for us. So the thought was this. Do we rely on excellence on the platform to produce a response from the pew? Really ask yourself that. Like, do I personally rely on excellence from the platform to produce a response in my seat right here, right now? Because my zeal for his house cannot be your zeal for his house. All right? You know, <sighs> Matt, he's got a lot of zeal got a lot of zeal for the house that can't be my zeal that that can't be your zeal sure he's got energy and it can be contagious for a minute okay 
It can be contagious for a minute. But zeal, remember that definition. It, it was a, a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. He can get me fired up and he can get me motivated with, with a message that he preaches, a prayer that he prays over me, but he can't pursue Jesus for me. I can stand up here, I can talk about it, I can talk about zeal, but I can't make you want the fight. I can't put that on the inside of you. The, the zeal for the fire, the zeal for having that target on your back, the enthusiasm for the heat that comes along with that, I, I can't give that to you. That is, that is something that you seek from the Lord and that you grow as you learn more about him and seek his face. So, do we rely on excellence from the platform to produce a response from the pew? If we all walked off the stage right now and just walked out the door, what would worship look like in this room? Would it look like a people who are still so in love with God that they, that they still fall on their face and cry and seek him and need to be in his presence? Or would it look like how you worship him when you're not here, when you're at home, in your quiet place? Or do you do that? Do you worship him when you're not here? Do you have a quiet place? Because let me tell you, I have seen Christians who have a zeal for the house, and I have seen those who, who don't have it. And there is not an in-between. There's, there's not a half measure of zeal. All right, And the very definition of the word zeal, there's no half measure there. You're not halfway excited about something. You're not halfway pursuing something. If you're not all the way pursuing it, you're not pursuing it at all. Because how we praise him here is great. I love it. These are some of my favorite moments in this room when I get to worship with y'all and we get to come together and, and just praise him. And these, these moments are special. All right, don't, don't get me wrong. They're special. But if you don't have the zeal for him that brings you to your knees at home or brings you to hours of prayer and worship when you're in the secret place, then, dude, we're, we're missing the point then. Because his zeal for us is unending. His energy for us, his enthusiasm, his excitement towards us is just absolutely amazing. The lengths that he has gone to and will go to for his people, for you and for me, it is, it's, it's incredible what he's done. And I, I just, I had a very for real um, spiritual moment with my, my daughter Evelyn last night. Um, and in that moment, I just thought, I, I will do whatever it takes for her. I will pray with her and for her all night and day if that's what it takes. I'll intercede for her forever. I'll sacrifice myself, my time. I'll sacrifice anything. I'll give it all up 
to protect my child and the way that she has that relationship with Jesus. And I'm only a human. Think about how amplified that feeling is that God has for you. That's what should bring us to our knees. That It's what he does for his children, his creation. He sacrificed everything so that we could experience that freedom with him. He sent Jesus to the cross so that we could experience that freedom with him. So that we could live with the target on our back, but with his shield up behind us, blocking out the arrows from those targets that are coming, or from the arrows that are coming. That's what he's done. So as a result, I can only respond with the highest level of zeal for him that I can muster. I can only give him my entire life consumed with zeal for his house. Because as David said right in that scripture, said, for zeal for your house has consumed me. That zeal, when it catches inside of you, it consumes everything in its path like a wildfire. It changes everything about you. It changes everything about your days, about your family, about your thought pattern, about the things that you enjoy doing because it consumes everything in its path that is not of God. And it throws it out and it aims your focus directly on Him. And zeal builds zeal. It just It's like the, the more zealful you are, the more you focus on Him, the more it fuels the zeal. It just keeps, the, the fire keeps building hotter and hotter. So I'm, I'm going to pray over us as a church family. Um, and then we're, we're going to worship him with, with that zeal that he is due. Um, but, but when we go into this worship, okay, I would implore you. I'm asking of you, begging of you. Worship him how you feel you should worship him. Okay, how you feel like he is speaking to you on how he wants to be worshipped. Okay? Now, as I said, I'm not talking about David naked worship, but <laughs> apart from that, if you feel like he's calling you to, to worship him in a specific way, do that. Wherever you are, if he's calling you to lay on the floor before him, lay yourself down. If he's calling you to dance for him, dance. However you feel he is asking you to praise him and worship him, do that. Okay, and if that, if that is how you worship him outside of this place, that's awesome. If that's the same way. If it's not, then I, I would ask you to listen, do what he's asking you to do, and then take this moment of worship and, and take it with you. Take it with you to your quiet place, to your prayer closet. If you don't have one, make one. Make that place where you can worship him as he's calling you to worship him. Let's take that with us and continually worship him with the zeal that consumes you.
And let's continue to make this a house where we worship him like we're alone in our prayer closet, like we're all by ourselves, but we just happen to be surrounded by a bunch of other believers that are doing the same thing. Treat this worship just simply as a continuation of your quiet place. If you guys would stand. Father God, Father God, I just pray that you would bless us with that zeal for your house, Lord. God, give us that longing to be found in you, be found in your house, Lord. Give us that zeal for the fire, Lord. Give us that, that longing to be so consumed with the things of you that by proxy the world just hates us because, because we just want you and nothing else, Lord. God, that's the cry of our hearts this morning is that we just want you and nothing else, Father. We want you and nothing else. I pray that that zeal would just seep into every single aspect of our lives, Lord. That it's not just found in this place and in this moment, but as we leave, as we go about our day to day, that every thought we have is consumed with the zeal for your house, Lord. With the zeal for you, Jesus. With the zeal for you, Holy Spirit. That we would have that passion that drives us to chase you, Lord. And drives us to flee from sin and pursue only the things that are of you that are holy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.